Welcome to the Thinking Through Our 20s podcast, the place where two friends in their 20s talk about what it's like navigating the world right now as a young adult. I'm Nicole and my co-host is Nathan. And in this week's episode, we share our thoughts on activism on social media. What does social media activism mean to you? Like, how would you define that? I, I guess in this day and age, it just looks like posting and helping your friends. You're raising awareness through posting both informational items and uh, a lot of it too. I feel like activism for any any topic is just raising awareness um, through posting and stories, whatever it is, and sharing materials and, and knowledge. Disseminating information. Really convoluted, but disseminating information about a, a topic. How about that? Almost like a like social library or something? Sure. <laughs> Sure. I, th- I think at least for like in particular, like in current events, I feel like as with anything, like where it changes and where it is mindsets, like any battle, any war, like any war on crime, racism, like war on cigarettes, it's, it's all about changing your knowledge. And so I think social media activism is an active effort to help people see things they're not seeing and change the paradigms by which they're uh, they are currently understanding the world yeah yeah i think that that sums it up about right like i think i'd agree i would agree with that definition how if you had to put in your own words what would you say well i think my my gut reaction when i think of like oh social media activism like that that term activism i think is such a like you're actively involved in whatever it is you're doing at that or whatever you're posting about, you know. So, so this summer, 2020, with the whole the Black Lives Matter protests and all that happening, in my head, like I hear act, like social media activism, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, like my friends that are posting about, you know, making signs and showing up at protests and going out and handing out water bottles and like that kind of a thing. Like, oh yeah, they're like social media activists. But then, like on the other side, I have friends that you know they weren't going out to protest or anything, but they are still being very active in you know dissemin- disseminating information with the whole you know posting information about here's what's going on, like stay safe, like that kind of thing. Or even right now with the election, um, mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of information going on around the election, like not even about the candidates, but just hey, here's how to check and see, like are you going to be able to vote. Like, here's, go to these websites. Do you have any questions? Like, I even saw on Instagram today, one of my friends, he posted a story that said, like, you know, it was a a yes or no checkbox, you know, like a poll kind of a thing. And it was like, how many of you know your voter status for this election year? And Hmm. there was like, it was like, I clicked yes, because I've checked on mine. And it was like, you know, it shows you 75% said yes, 25% said no, that I've taken this survey. So like, that's Hmm. that's a form of activism, I think, because he is he's done something that has then popped up on my feed that's like made me actively think about something that i really don't think about on a daily basis you know like oh yeah the election and checking on that and you know it's like it becomes like it's another part of your life that's like oh yeah hey don't forget about this so it goes with that information thing i that goes along with what we were saying last time we talked and it's been a little bit but the 
the whole information part like there is there is a I guess an amount of control and our social media over here in the states looks a lot different from other places that's why TikTok is about to get banned like you were explaining to me earlier or not so banned whatever is going to happen it's tomorrow right Wednesday uh yeah I don't know what the Wednesday the 15th I know there is some kind of I was seeing some like counter legal action was taking place with that but I haven't really read up on it I kind of am I'm kind of doing that thing where it's just like, you know, I don't really have anything invested in TikTok, so if it goes away, cool. But I've also been through, like, the Tumblr purge when Yahoo bought it, so mm, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. well, it's not going to go away. Like, it'll be fine. Vine did go away, though. Vine, Vine did, yeah. Vine Vine did go away. But it also looked different. I think it was, that was a different type of platform in the way that it was used. Mm. But let's see. You're a TikTok user. I'm not. So... You're, this is, people won't like this, but in your mindset, if you're Trump, why do you see TikTok is so dangerous that you need to cut it out? Like, what do you think he's seeing that is making, you know, a lot of dancing videos and honestly pretty funny content? What is so dangerous about that platform as opposed to something like Instagram or Facebook? Why is Vine so dangerous? I feel like it's hitting a different group of people that are not on Facebook and that maybe are on Instagram, but maybe they use Instagram differently than they use TikTok. Who like, are those people? Because just, I mean, just from when I have, from what I've seen on on my side of TikTok, like when you first get on there, it kind of just gives you like a general here's your TikTok feed, but it's not really curated. But as you're going through it and liking certain videos, and then saying I don't like other videos, and as you know, you're watching the entire length of one video and then like scrolling past others it kind of starts to alter your feed a little bit. So it kind of knows like, oh, you've been liking a lot of cat mm. videos. So we'll, we'll kind of show you more <laughs> cat videos, but it's not going to be every single one of the cat video. It'll be like cycled, you know? So like I've liked a couple of baby videos and I don't like love kids, but once in a while there'll be a video where I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's a cute baby. Like, all right, I, I like that. But that doesn't mean my feed is like inundated with babies, you know? But gotcha. I think the reason why it's on like the political radar now all of a sudden is because people realize that this is a tool that people under you know 20 or 25 are using to organize and it's something that's harder to control because i think facebook is i really don't know much about facebook as far as like you know settings and what's allowed what's not allowed all that stuff but i think tiktok is just newer than you know platforms that have been around for 10 plus years that when the TikTok users were kind of credited with, oh, you know, they they did that whole thing with the rally and, um, you know, reserving tickets and kind of boosting numbers, but then no one showed up and there was a whole thing with that. And after that, that's when like the executive order was signed and that whole legal side of TikTok was like put in motion, it seemed like. I think it went from being like, you know, a social media where, oh yeah, it's for kids that do dancing videos and yeah maybe it's kind of uncomfortable because that girl's like 15 and wiggling her body (laughs) or that dude is shirtless and he's 13 that's kind of uncomfortable it went from that to like oh these are these are people on this platform that are now affecting like the real political world Hmm. and so even like during the time of the protests like when the protests first started um I know on my feed, I was seeing a lot of like on the ground videos people were posting of just like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm out here and here's what's happening. And like, it's interesting that that content is still out there, but there's a whole thing on TikTok with um, 
there is some type of censorship that happens with it. And I don't, again, I don't really, I haven't really looked into this. I'm not sure what it is, but people will be like shadow banned. Um, and there will be some kind of algorithm that happens where like a person that technically hasn't done anything wrong on TikTok, they'll just like stop appearing on people's feeds for no reason. Hmm. So I think that there is like a sense of like, oh, th this is something that needs to, you know, greater powers need to come in and start to curate this and allow users to what they're putting out there but it's still not i don't know if people took it seriously until the whole this year until the rally and all that stuff happened that that's an that would be an interesting thing to look at because when you look at these protests like we even had in in los al we had a protest at our high school and there's a lot of the high school students and it there's like two ways to look at it. It's like a cool thing that our our youth are starting to realize too that this is a problem and they're mobilizing and getting behind it. And there's, I think, another dangerous aspect of sometimes they don't know what they're supporting. And I think TikTok is a lot of younger, all the influences are much younger than a lot of these other platforms. And I think, I, I can't speak for all high schoolers. I think there's some very intelligent high schoolers but I think there's a lot of also not, okay, I'm not going to say not intelligent high schoolers. That's messed up. But I would say for the amount of, yeah, like damage that they can actually do and the about amount of mobilization that can happen through a platform like that, it was catching, I think it caught everyone off guard a little bit and it wasn't always in a good way. Like I, again, when we were in Berkeley, when we were, when there was protests going on, Sometimes having more numbers at these protests were a way for like these anarchist groups to come in and mess things up. And yeah, controversial opinion of mine, but I don't, I don't know if that was always a good thing. Like there was like the true pro protesters want protesters there. They don't want, you know, Joe Schmo just showing up to take a video. It's almost for the clout um, in Berkeley. So. I don't know if we want to put that in there, but it's like a real thing. Like I, when the, when the protests were going on in Berkeley, they, I, they had, it, there was the, like, you know, the few leaders that were standing in front near the police yeah. barricade. And at some point there was like a lot, like people were like throwing stuff at the cops. And at some point they, they turned around and walked straight towards, there was a couple like college kids in the crowd. They're like, they basically like chewed them out. Like, what are you doing that we're not trying to like, you know, burn anything down. We're not yeah. trying to like, this is not helping the protest. Like if you're going to do that, get out. And so stuff like that, I thought that was like, it was respectable. Like they're trying to keep their protest like peaceful um, and they are gathering, but there's sometimes having more numbers. Mob mentality is a real thing. I, I don't know if you've ever been in one, but it's a total like, it's crazy. You can feel energy through a crowd. I think in, in sociology, they call it collective effervescence, where there's, when there's a big group of people, group, it's kind of like group think and group feelings are become all morphed together. And I don't know, it's like some weird human phenomenon, but you can look it up, collective effervescence. I'll it's, have uh, to look at that. Cause I know that we, we talked a lot in anthropology about the whole in-group, out-group idea, you know, of like signaling you're in the in-group, signaling who's the out-group by like just everything, just in general. 
um, and using that as a way of basically identifying, making it a us and them idea. Hmm. So we talked a lot about that. And I think, yeah, with the kind of going back to the with the whole almost like responsibility of protesting and awareness of that, that is part of, yeah, that is kind of like the, the, I don't know what the balance is with things like TikTok where, you know, you can have more awareness and kind of like, you know, boost the signal of, oh, there's a protest happening in your city, like come through. But then you end up with situations where, you know, you have like teenagers out there in possibly unsafe conditions, like doing things that they're not thinking through fully, you know. Um, well, I even think it like, you know, I think it, like the only thing I really have to like compare it to as far as like when I was in high school was Coney 2012 when all that happened. Oh. I don't know. Were you on Facebook for that time? And like, yeah, did you, yeah, yeah. did you like partake in that at all? Cause no, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, honestly. Cause I was thinking like Coney 2012 and probably like Tom's shoes. Those are like the two things I can think of that like, were like, oh, these are big activism movements happening right now in high school. And like here, like do this, and it'll help. And like you know, I was I was I was a dumb teenager. I would be like, oh yeah, that's bad. Let's let's do that because I'm I'm being told like that will help, so I'm gonna do that. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, like like okay, Tom shoes like you know, there's a their whole criticism of that and their business model and all that stuff. But like with the Coney 2012, it was a lot of what is printing off these flyers and putting them up around my town in California gonna do like realistically for this group of kids in another country in another political atmosphere that I don't have any influence on and my town's political leaders don't have any influence on, you know, like back then uh. I, I don't remember hearing back then about, you know, right now I'm hearing a lot of like, call your senators, here's phone numbers, here's emails, contact your representatives, like that kind of information of here are things you can do to affect the things that you're seeing that you want changed, that you, you want your voice to be heard, so here's ways to make it heard to people that can do something about it, or at least aren't in a closer position to do something about it. But mm. I think it is, it is easy when you're a teenager, especially when it's kind of like, that's another thing that's come up this summer is the whole aspect of like perform, like performance and the performative aspect of activism and people doing it for clout, you know? showing up to the protest just to you know post a couple things on tiktok and then leaving and you know that type of deal or or twitter or wherever um so yeah i don't know it is because even talking about social media activism like at what point at what point does it become a thing of like you're bragging about this deed you've done that's good and you're trying to like you know like boost your rep like hey look uh, i just donated fifty dollars and here's my receipt i put it on my instagram story like go do go do this too or whatever you know or even like that, that this is like outside even like the summer protest but you know just outside that doing like random acts of kindness and hey look i gave this stranger a hundred dollars i bought their meal and i i recorded it and put it on facebook you know that kind of a thing at what point does that just become like a performative thing that you're doing to booster your like you know positioning your with your friends but then also how much does it matter because you know someone someone got help that they needed great like who cares your motivation behind doing it someone got help that they needed or or conversely maybe you know someone was inspired to go out and do something nice for someone else because they went online they saw like a good you know random act of kindness so they were inspired 
But then what's mm. the balance with all of that, you know? Yeah. I, and that is, again, back to what we were talking about. There is like a sense of identity that's built around social media these days where you can look at someone's feed, you can look at someone's stories and you kind of know what they're about. And it's, I don't know how it happened, but it's become cool to be an activist for, for anything. Like, I, I don't think there's too many things. There, there are some things, but I, I don't think the list is too big of activists ideals on social media where people are like oh, i hate that like maybe <laughs> I, i'm gonna refrain from saying which ones i'm thinking of but uh yeah it at least for this like specifically this black lives matter movement i very honestly again i don't know if we want to put this on but i'm just talking i i do call to question some of the people that i see like posting things like to me the real uh the real ones are still active right now about it like if you really care it wasn't a phase because there was a lot popping up when stuff was going on and and things haven't really they've kind of changed you know but not really and so i i feel like the real like if this is truly on people's heart it's they're still going at it and i respect that a lot um, for some of the people, I saw them do like a little fundraiser, you know, like my company's doing a match, yeah. like join me and nothing wrong with that. Right. But then it kind of died out after that. And I think that's in a very American thing. Like we like to throw money at problems and thinking it'll fix. And I don't. Yeah. If, I, there's a documentary called Poverty Incorporated, and this one is directed towards poverty, but they showed numerous case examples including Tom's shoes where Americans just throw money at problems and throw free stuff at poor people and expect it to fix it and there's a lot of bigger systemic issues that are beyond money in these cases especially with this um, current political socio-economic climate like this is a deep rift ethnically socially politically and in money to me maybe it's a privileged mindset but just money which was a lot of, which was a, you know right after the right after george floyd there was a lot of funding movements for blm just throwing money at the problem like here's an organization that seems to be fixing it like that should be good right i I feel like that's a very shallow response. Um, so I guess I am calling into question the motives of some of these people and it becomes more clear as time kind of passes. But I, yeah, I can't help but see uh, that trying to be like a quick fix, like if we pay for it. And because social media is monetized too, like there's a lot in the, of just grabbing attention um, that helps pay for stuff. But yeah, it's kind of dangerous. I, I don't want to be so pessimistic of everyone that does stuff because there are people like not everyone gets it and they're trying to, which is a good step forward. But if it's like a gut reaction to something bad happening and then it just dissipates, I, I have a hard time 
seeing that as like a long-term good for the movement thing because if it just pass if it's just a oh let's do a little fundraiser for it's almost like a pity party and then we move on yeah it's it's like a, i feel bad let me take my medicine i'll pop that you know ibuprofen money pill i'll feel better mm -hmm. until the next like oh the next video of another trauma happening to someone and then i can just you know but that do, that does go back to that whole kind of like you know it's not specifically with the black lives matter movement like it's not my community being affected in that i'm not black and like i can't pass as black so my feelings towards it are different probably than like if if you know if if it was my brother that was being like directly affected by driving late at night and looking suspicious you know like that like i think because I, I, I think i tend to agree with you that it, there is this idea of oh if we just you know let's just donate money we'll you know oh they take paypal great we'll give them some money or oh let me buy this product where 10 percent goes to some charity um or even like you know amazon amazon has an amazon smiles thing where it's like oh you know this percentage of your per purchase will go to a charity of your choice and yeah that is better than nothing and it is something and to some extent you know the money does affect people in a positive way and can create positive change but I think yeah I, I don't think it's enough to just give money and then live your day and be like oh okay I'm not affected by it so I don't have to think about it or challenge it or something I, I don't know I'm not really sure what yeah I think if you're going to give money and donate that's great because that is needed but I think it needs to be a like a holistic approach of it can't just be let's fix it from a financial perspective it's no we need to fix it from a entire you know socio-political economic like everything mm. like we need to approach it from there but so go bigger off that me and you so for me and you Asian American and we're young adults what do you think is like an actual solution I think it's really easy for us to sit kind of on the sidelines and criticize what's going on because obviously something has to happen and it's never going to be perfect especially in the formational stages but in your eyes what do you think is the ideal response from yeah someone like us we're japanese american and yeah 25 i think i there's that idea of allyship that I keep hearing about that it it is kind of you know it's a whole intersectional thing because that also crosses over into like the LGBTQ community or into other like the Hispanic Mexican community you mm -hmm. know but specifically with like the Black Lives Matter movement happening like right now I think it kind of starts with that awareness in a way of like realizing that even though yeah I am a minority woman and I'm working in a feel that's predominantly like white male dominated like you know the film industry like i still am not going to be affected by these unfair systems that have been in place for for god knows how long i'm not going to be affected by them in the same way that my friend that is like you know super dark skinned or whatever like you know or identifies a certain way but just because like i can't identify like empathize i guess in that way or identify with that doesn't mean like i don't need to do anything mm -hmm. about it but i also need to be really careful in not speaking for them like as a poc 
Like, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I'm a minority too, so I can also speak for the minority experience. Because again, my experience is very different than, you know, my Mexican-American friends. So there's commonalities in it, definitely, I think. I think especially being like, if you're like raised in like a ethnic household in like a super white area like I was, um, there's definitely commonalities that we can bond over. But I think it's just, I'm still trying to figure out for myself, like, what is my role in this? In that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the person that just gives money to a nonprofit and says, okay, like, my job is done here. Like, as long as I don't say the N-word and as long as uh, I retweet that uh-huh. video and as long as I have, you know, one token friend, then I'm I'm great. I'm doing great uh-huh. in life. It's like, that's not really, it's not, there's not a checklist of how to be a good person, <laughs> you know, it's just, just just be a good person, I don't, you know? Hmm. It's a difficult thing. I think me and you, like, what we're talking through, like, I feel like a lot of Asian people feel it especially. Like, we just don't know really how to respond to this. Like, on, on one half of us, like, we hurt for our black brothers and sisters, right? Like, it's it's a tough situation. But on the other hand, like, we want to be supportive without being like, oh, I feel you. But on the other hand, like, we can't entirely feel that because for us, we, it's a different type of racism, but the model minority uh, myth, like, that's that's a different type. And it's not as cruel, um, but it's just a different type. And I, we can't speak for them. They, they can't speak for us in that way either. It's just a different experience. And so... I think, yeah, me and you are kind of stuck because it is a difficult thing to try to figure out, like, what are we actually supposed to do? And if you ask any person, I feel like the response will vary a lot as well. Like, there will be people who are like, like, we need to be more active in standing up for them. There's other people that are more passive. And at, at least the stance I'm taking is like, I as a, me and you are both creatives, like, I'm trying to find opportunities to, there was a hashtag I saw, was tell, hashtag tell black stories. And I think as creatives, that's something that me and you are able to do well and that's doable. Like, I, I think it's not so hard. Me and you have conversations like this. It's not so hard to um, find black stories to tell in this because it's something me and you obviously still don't know very much about. Um, and so that's my best stab at like, something that would be more ideal and helpful because I very honestly I I think me and you here like being in California I feel like this is not the true most true forms of racism in this area like I feel like we have a good melting pot and though it's not perfect it's better than what we're seeing in the middle of the middle of the country Um, like when we're looking at a Minnesota when we're looking at a um, even somewhere like Atlanta, like it's it's a little different narrative out there than it is here. So, yeah, I I don't really have a great answer. Like I I don't think either of us are knowledgeable enough to like be speaking on behalf of the Asian community. We're just two Joe schmoes. But I don't think anyone has a hard time or has an easy time answering these questions right now. Um, because it is fresh and because it's so, it, it encompasses a lot of different areas that creating one collective response is really difficult. 
Yeah, I think the creating a collective response is something I I don't know if we'll ever really see from the Asian American. Is that even because I don't even know like, if that's the goal? Like, yeah, because I I don't think I don't know if it's not the goal or not. I just don't know if it would work or not because yeah, having a blanket response of like, oh, if you're Asian American or if you're Asian, here's the way you should respond to mm. like our black brothers and sisters' pain. Like, here's a guide on how to. It's like, that's not really... Because, again, yeah, it, it varies by what community are we living in right now and who are we interacting with and what state do we live in even and what's that state's cultural history surrounding these issues. Because, you know, we have a different... We have a different history here than they do, like, in Atlanta. Um, so I don't even know... I mean, even, like, with just the two of us, whatever my response is to this, like, current movement happening right now just because it works for me doesn't necessarily means like, oh, Nathan, you need to do mm. this too in order to be like a good ally. Mm. But I mean, there's definitely things that are like, oh, that would not help or that would definitely help. Like, you know, there, I think there are definitely like, like bare bones structure of here's things that would be beneficial. But I don't think it, it works to say, here's the way you should approach this aspect of, of life. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. What are your thoughts on this? Share with us at thinkingthroughour20s at gmail.com or use the hashtag TT2Pod on your favorite social media website. Hope you join us next week as Nathan and I continue this conversation about life.